At least 200 million girls and women have undergone FGM that are still alive. By 2030, it is expected that this number will rise by 68 million girls more. We're talking about FGM, female genital mutilation, a procedure that causes a lot of pain for many girls all around the world, especially in developing countries. So what is this procedure? We might have heard of it either in books or in references, but what does this really consist of? In this episode, we'll be talking about female genital mutilation as a whole, looking at the different types, analyzing why it still exists, and finally, explaining what is being done against it. Listen along. Hello everyone and welcome to Overreacting the Podcast. I'm your host Michelle Ceriso and every week we overreact to important topics regarding intersectional feminism. This week we'll be talking about a topic that is very hard and is a bit heavy. We'll try to talk about it in a soft way. It's going to be an interesting thing to learn about since it's not something we hear about here in the West, especially in Europe and the US. So... Why not talk about it since it's one of the biggest female rights violations and human rights violations, children's rights violations in the entire world. Let's take a look at it, shall we? First of all, what is female genital mutilation? Female genital mutilation, in short FGM, is a procedure where external female genitalia are partially cut up, changed or injured for non-medical reasons. Other terms for this are sana, gunin, halalais, taur, megres, or kitan. And this is a sad reality for so many girls in developing countries, young girls that are aged under 18 or just newborns, really. FGM happens without the consent of the young girls and they mostly get taken in most unexpected times. And after they get cut up, it's like a celebration in the family. There are different types of FGM. They're all painful, but there's different types that involve the female external genitalia. Type 1 is called clitoridectomy, which consists of removing a part or all the clitoris. The clitoris, for those that don't know, is an erogenous zone in the vagina for sexual erection. So when you hit the clitoris, whether through penetration or whatever, you get aroused because of that. In type 2, which is called excision, consists of, again, removing a part or all of the clitoris, plus the inner labia. The vagina consists of four labias. It's like an onion. There's multiple layers, and the two inner layers are called the inner labia. Type 3, on the other hand, which is called infibulation, consists of cutting and repositioning the labia to narrow the vaginal opening. This includes also removing, like cutting up the outer labia and repositioning that one. And it is done to narrow the vaginal opening. FGM can also only be pricking, piercing, cutting, scraping or burning of the female genitals. So basically any type of harming the female external or internal genitals is a part of female genital mutilation. 
So yes, I've been through female genital mutilation. I had the type one, so if you know the type, the type one is um, uh, we say only the clitoris cut, but it's not only. It's like a part of your body taken uh, away, and it's a lot of bleeding. It's a lot of consequences after all. So it's not only. It's the clitoris uh, went. So yeah, that's what happened to my little sister and myself. The type of FGM that is performed depends on a variety of factors, whether it be the ethnic group, the country the socio-economic background, that always depends on these factors and um, can vary from person to person. So the decision is always up to the person who is doing the surgery, but the basic types are always these three. After the girls are cut up or in any of these types, the girls' legs are bound together in order to immobilize them for up to two weeks so that it allows the formation of a scar tissue so that the scar sets and actually becomes effective and for a long-lasting period of time, basically, forever, if they don't do anything medically to the vagina afterwards. Who performs FGM, who allows such a horrible procedure? That is mostly elderly people, mostly women, surprisingly, but not that surprisingly, who are traditional circumcisers, and most of them don't have a medical training and don't use anesthesia throughout the procedure. That means that the girls are cut up, harmed like that, without being given anesthesia. So they are awake during the whole procedure and feel the pain and everything that happens throughout the procedure. So because of that, they are also held down because they are not supposed to move since it could damage the genitalia even more if they move. So they hold them down and the material used are mostly knives, scissors, pieces of glass or razor blades. So absolutely no medical training. I was thrown on the floor and when she sat on my chest, I said to myself, this is not what I was expecting because she was so heavy and I was a skinny child so skinny she sat to keep me still and they pulled my legs apart other women pinning my shoulder down and i felt a sharp cut between my legs it was so painful i screamed so loud because they had the drums the other women who's been to the practice would follow you and they would scream every time a girl is taken away into the separate room where they do the cutting the noise will get louder I didn't even know. When they scream, I'll scream along with them. But it's to oppress the voice of the girl. There are some people who perform FGM on other people that have medical training. But this has been made illegal after the WHO illegalized FGM in the countries. But I'll talk about that later. The effects of FGM are, of course, constant pain. I mean, your genitalia are basically cut up and repositioned and just basically a surgery is performed on you without you having anesthesia. So not only constant pain afterwards, but also during the procedure. You have pain and difficulty during sex because, I mean, your genitalia has basically been harmed and injured. So, of course, it's going to hurt when you have sex. Because of that, because of hurts, these girls also have reduced sexual desire because it's painful. It's not pleasure, it's pain. The infibulation, though, so type 3 FGM, can be open, though, through penetrative sex. So sex can help 
open the vaginal opening but it's obviously extremely painful and just not really a good solution for the unmake of the consequences of FGM on your body. You also get severe bleeding, cysts, infections, which all can lead to death either after or during the procedure, especially during because since you're awake, you're a higher risk of getting an infection in your injuries. You have problems peeing, you have problems during conceiving and also during childbirth. Childbirth is very painful and hard for girls and women who have gone through FGM. Not, and not only they can be harmed, but also the babies can be harmed because the vaginal canal is just not built up enough to grow a child and to make the child leave the womb through the vagina. So there's an increased risk of miscarriages under these women. And there are also some women and girls who after childbirth are sewn up again, so cut up again, to be tight for their husbands during intercourse to increase your pleasure. So basically making them desirable even after being mothers, which is just horrible and really incredible that, that still in the world such things exist. Not only do you have physical injuries after FGM, you also get mental and psychological issues like struggle with your mental health, you can get depression, you can suffer from flashbacks to when it happened and that might lead you to self-harm. And obviously it remains a long-lasting trauma and has a huge psychological impact on you that you can't get rid of because it's a part of you now. Because being taken like that without your consent is just seeing somebody appropriate themselves of your own body without you being able to do anything because everyone wants that to happen, even if they know that you'll be in pain. And that carries a lot of impact on you if you have gone through FGM. So these effects and consequences are also a reason why the name FGM has been changed to FGM because it used to be called female circumcision, but it has been changed because it had parallels to male circumcisions, which is when the foreskin of the penis is cut off when there are babies. But your health implications during male circumcisions are too different and like cannot be compared to what girls have to go through during female genital mutilation, which is why they changed that name then to FGM. It didn't contain the psychological and physical effects for the girls. Now, to give you an idea of to where FGM is carried out, because I've been talking without naming any countries, but now I want to give you some country names so that you have an idea of where we're finding ourselves in. It's mostly developing countries such as Africa, the Middle East or Asia. In Egypt, it's the reality of 91% of women. In Sudan, it's 88%. In Guinea, it's 97%. In Uganda, it's 1%. And then there's other countries like India, Indonesia, Malaysia, and Pakistan where this is performed. So with developing countries, it's very widespread still. And um, it also occurs in Europe. But here it's mostly brought over by immigrants who basically just live out their traditions and carry out their traditions. Now, where lies the origin of the FGM? FGM actually is a shared history that we all have, like all countries have, because the FGM type 1, so the clitoridectomy, has actually existed for centuries in different cultures and societies. In ancient Egypt, it has been performed in ancient Rome, but also in modern times in Europe. So we're talking the 50s, the 40s, for treatment of hysteria 
epilepsy, mental disorders, masturbation, and nymphomania. So always basing themselves on female pleasure and sexual autonomy and bodily autonomy of women. There's always been FGM there to prevent these rights for women to have. While here in Europe and in the US it has become illegal and it has been made many laws against and is being fought against and it's not a problem here very much for us. In developing countries where everything has stayed more conservative, it has become a ritual and a social norm that the majority of girls go through. It is considered to be a part of raising a girl as like one of those traits that don't make you stand out, saying that if you don't have gone through FGM, then you don't deserve to be treated with respect, you're not worthy of anyone's time, you are dirty, you are unpure and just undesirable. You get marginalized by your society. So you can see that it is like a social norm. And it is mostly fueled by the belief that benefits the girl and that it's like a medical benefit, even if it absolutely is not in the way of like benefiting the girl it's supposed to like prepare her for her marriage and preserve her virginity before getting married which whereas is motivated by the beliefs of what sexual behavior is socially acceptable for a woman or a girl to have since fgm reduces the woman's libido so it reduces sexual desire because of all the reasons that i mentioned earlier so pain etc and since like the vaginal opening where the penis is supposed to enter is covered and narrowed the girl is made afraid of damaging it further and so it's supposed to discourage them to engage in extramarital sexual activity and reduce their sexual activity outside their marriage so you can see it's completely controlling the woman's body and controlling her sexual liberty of just acting the way she wants to and having the own control over her own body it's just taking that away from her and it reinforces also the cultural ideas of femininity and beauty which is that in order for them to be desirable they need to remove or clean their dirty body parts or and without fgm they're just not pure these are mostly the beliefs that encourage fgm not in all countries it's the same but the mentality is similar for over three thousand years the family truly believes that a daughter who is not circumcised is not clean because what exists between our legs is unclean. So it must be removed and sealed up as proof of virginity and virtue. An uncircumcised girl cannot marry. Consequently, she's expelled from her village and put on the same level as a whore. This practice continues even though it is not written in the Quran. It is accepted that as a result of this mutilation, women are sick mentally and physically for the rest of their lives. Now, since it's such a horrible procedure with no medical benefits or real benefits for the girl, what is being done for it? Is there a way that you can undo your surgery or cutting or scar? 
Yes, there is. You can go through this treatment called danefibulation, which is a surgery treatment to open up the vagina by cutting up the scar tissue that formed itself during those 14 days that your legs were tied together over the entrance to the vagina. This time, though, with anesthesia, of course. So this can be done. Or if you are like in the situation of having a child the vaginal opening can be cut a little bit open. If you've undergone type 3 FGM, then you can get your uh, vaginal opening cut a little bit so that the baby can come through. But of course, this is not working on solving the problem because the problem itself, so FGM itself, should be stopped. So what is being done against this? What is being done to stop this? Is, are there any laws Well, in 1997, actually, the WHO, alongside the UNICEF, um, they issued a statement against FGM. And at that day, it has been defined a children's rights violation. So here in Europe and mostly around the world, it's considered a child's right violation. And there's a lot of research work within communities and changes in public policy that is being done based on this new rule, on this new law by the WHO. They basically denounced the medical procedure of FGM and condemned it to not be a medical procedure so that if anyone with medical training performs FGM on someone, then they are supposed to go to jail and that's basically illegal. So basically FGM is not considered a medical treatment or a medical procedure. In developing countries, there's been a lot of work in revising the legal frameworks. In some countries, managing to make FGM illegal. And in fact, we have seen its fruits by seeing that the prevalence of FGM has decreased more and more and that more and more people are going against it and go against their traditions. But of course, there's still too many families and communities that perform this. And it's still a very extremely big problem that needs a lot more work in and um, it needs actual action in these countries developing countries need help directly so that's where the focus should lie on hopefully there will be more laws or actions taken against it in these developing countries they're also trying to strengthen the healthcare sector in general and also start and keep educating more on issues surrounding the body sexuality etc etc creating also books and making films about it just making it something that everyone should know about and be cleared up on and to wake more and more people up to this. You can also do your part and educate yourself on more surrounding FGM. Try to also listen to actual stories of girls and women who have gone through it and are sharing their experiences. I've seen many videos as I did my research. They were very interesting. You can also go on on the official WHO websites and um, like health organizations and nonprofit organizations that can give you a lot of information about this. For starters, you can start with the recommendation of this week, which is the film Desert Flower, which came out in 2009, directed by Sherry Horman. This film was based on a book. I think you should read the book before you watch the movie. This film is basically a biopic based on the autobiography by Waris Deary. She was a real living person. She was a Somali supermodel. And at the same time, she was also involved in human rights activism. 
and she was actively fighting against FGM since she had had her own experiences with it. So it's a really interesting story. You can learn more about her in this film by reading her book or just by looking up information on the internet. You can also learn about Vangari Matai. She's also a very interesting woman who has also gone through FGM and also fights for female rights and uh, in developing countries especially. And they're all very interesting women. You should check them out and uh, watch this movie if you can or read the book. If you have time, if you have nothing else to read, you should uh, read the book. This was the topic of this week. I hope you could learn something from it. I learned many more things that I didn't know before. And that is always an interesting take when researching for a podcast episode. I hope you're having a good day. I wish you a great week. I'll see you next week, same time. And don't forget, children's rights activists are not overreacting. But FGM might. Okay, bye.